Shining the spotlight on the future of hockey, the World Juniors. Joshua Wall walks in, got the Major Junior. This is Logan Stankoven. I play for the Cowboys Blazers. Hey, it's Matt Potter from the Guelph Storm. This is Axler LaRue from the Halifax Moosehead. Nathai Gaucher. I play for the Quebec Ramparts. Hey, guys. This is Ty Nelson from the North Day Battalion, and this is the Pipeline Show. NCAA. This is Ryan McAllister for the Western Michigan Broncos. This is Wyatt Kaiser from Minnesota Duluth. This is Brock Faber from the University of Minnesota. The NHL Draft. This is Adam Fantilli of the University of Michigan. This is Ryan Leonard. I play for Team USA. I'm Nate Danielson of the Brandon Lee Kings. My name is Adam Guyam. I'm playing for Chippewa Field. Hi, I'm Grayson Sochin. I'm with the Seattle Thunderbirds. Hey, this is Jacob Fowler, goaltender for the Youngstown Phantoms. I'm Connor Bedard for the Regina Pats, and this is the Pipeline Show. And more. Brandon! This is the Pipeline Show. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. That's me. I really appreciate you tuning in this week, whether it's on Edmonton Sports Talk or if you're downloading your weekly episode of the Pipeline Show from Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or maybe you're getting them from iHeartRadio, directly from SoundCloud, maybe you're a Podbean user, wherever you're getting your copy of the Pipeline Show from, I appreciate you taking the time to be a part of the show. The program is brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky, because you can't win friends with salad. Absolutely the best beef jerky known to mankind. Three Edmonton and area locations, the original in Leduc, the second one in Spruce Grove, and the recent addition, I guess in the last year and a half or so, the kiosk in West Edmonton Mall. But if you're hearing this and you live outside the Edmonton area, and you'd like to get your uh, taste buds wrapped around some delicious beef jerky, go to their website. WilhawkBeefJerky.com, W-I-L-H-A-U-K, BeefJerky.com. Any order, any size, anywhere in Western Canada, they will ship it to you. I absolutely guarantee you will love the beef jerky. Let them know the Pipeline Show sent you. The opening segment this week, uh, we'll do things a little bit differently. There are some news items I want to get to, so I'm probably not going to go through each league and update the scoring leaders and the stats and stuff like that. And I had a late cancellation for a guest this week. Actually, rescheduling. He'll be on next week. So I have three guests for you instead of the usual four. So the episode in general, the length of it this week, might be a little bit shorter. But still probably close to an hour and a half. Let's get right to it, though. Obviously, tragic news with the uh, passing of Adam Johnson, who was uh, playing overseas. And uh, took that uh, skate blade up high. And while we know what's happened since then, that's just a... Uh, a really sad, upsetting, troubling story. The immediate response from many hockey leagues has been if if they didn't already have neck guards as a mandatory uh, part of the equipment, it's been mandated now or it will be soon. I'm sure eventually we'll see the NHL uh, follow suit. But uh, the WHL, one of those leagues that didn't have it before, it's now going to be mandatory. And I believe you'll start seeing uh, every team this weekend all the players wearing neck guards. I've seen some of the pictures. I know Kamloops uh, went out and got a bunch, and it's actually helping supply the Red Deer Rebels, who they're playing on Friday night, uh, with some neck guards. And I guess they're, according to the picture, John Keane and uh, Troy Gillard had the pictures. It looks like there's two or three different versions of what was available at this moment. They all seem to be separate from the the shirt layer of clothing that a lot of guys will wear under their equipment. 
I kind of wonder if eventually, maybe it's already out there, I don't know. It's been a long time since I actually addressed and played in a game. But could you not have like a Kevlar turtleneck, basically? Like a, a turtleneck shirt where the collar is, you know, that fabric that uh, a skate won't cut through. As opposed to an additional piece of equipment that you, you kind of put around your neck. I don't know. I imagine there will be uh, several different ideas or different uh, variations of what they can do for neck protection. It seems like it's been a long time coming. I know, I remember the Q has had it for a long time, but like 10, 15 years ago, it just looked like it was kind of like a headband that you wear around your neck. Didn't look like it would actually offer a whole lot of protection. Uh, I'm sure that equipment has evolved over the years, like most equipment does. So we'll see what the uh, the end product looks like here as it develops over the next uh, year or two. Another story, I first saw this uh, sort of being talked about on Sportsnet, about the NHL decentralizing the draft that being okay so it let's say it's in nashville like it was recently instead of all the teams flying all their personnel to nashville and all the players being in nashville and all the media being in nashville well they wouldn't do that anymore a bunch of the players would be there maybe not all of them maybe it would only be like the top 50 or the top 100 or something like that and a bunch of the media i don't know that all the media would go anymore but the teams would stay back in their war rooms in their various cities, much like we see with the NFL and the NBA. And it sounds like that's the way it's going to go. Just looking at a uh, hockey news a story about it, that teams have voted to decentralize the draft. I'm not sure if that will be in place in time for the 2024 draft, which is supposed to be in Las Vegas. But what do you think of this idea? Let me know on uh, Twitter or X at TPS underscore Gee. My initial reaction is, man, I don't like it because I like the NHL draft the way it is in that it is different from what we see with the other sports. I don't go to the draft. I watch it every year, but I don't go to it. I know many people who do. Most of them are media colleagues. And unless you're working it or a really big draft junkie, a lot of people find it boring to just be a spectator. But I would think from a media perspective, how awesome is it that you have everybody in the same building? If you're covering a specific team, you've got the GM, you've got uh, scouts from that team, you've got the players that that team has picked, all right there. If you're someone someone that covers the league as a whole, you've got the commissioner and Dan Marr from Central Scouting will be there. All the Central Scouting uh, staff will be there. All the agents are there as well. It's just super convenient. I kind of do understand the concept of why the teams would like to make this change. First off, money talks. It would be a lot cheaper to not go and take, you know, 50 of your uh, employees with you for basically, what, five days a week? I'm not sure how long they're actually in a location for. It's a few days leading up, though, to the actual event. So I'm sure that is a very expensive uh, week. It's also really close to the start of free agency, which perhaps you can tinker with that and move free agency back or move the draft up or move the draft back. You know, I, I kind of think they want to get the draft and free agency done at the, you know, as early into the offseason as possible. So then you can have two months off. What if you had free agency start on July 1st like it does now and the draft on July 10th? I, I don't know if that would make it easier for the teams in terms of what they're trying to accomplish by doing this. But I don't know. There's got to be other options to completely changing the format. I just don't think it'll be as compelling. Um, I've also seen it talked about how it's uh, because you got all the teams separated by you know a few feet as they're sitting at tables a few feet away from each other that you know quote unquote draft secrets or 
organizational secrets are going to get overheard or information will be leaked. I don't know. I, all I can think of is all the GMs are under one roof like that. It's bound to get people talking, and I would have to think seeds get planted for what comes afterwards. And I would have to think the whole idea probably started with the the two years where the draft wasn't in person because of COVID. I don't know what it's like uh, where you live, but during COVID, grocery stores where I live used to be open till 11 p.m. or midnight. They all started closing a lot earlier. Since we've gone back to normal, some of those things didn't go back to the way they used to be. I think, for instance, I think grocery stores realized we can save some money by not being open till uh, 11 p.m. or midnight, so why go back? And I'm wondering if it's similar with the NHL draft, where the teams are like, well, we completed the draft, we executed the draft perfectly fine for a couple of years without gathering and spending all this money to do so, so why go back? I'm sure it's not a coincidence. I am interested to hear your thoughts, and maybe over the next few weeks I'll uh, get some guests on to to, uh, share their perspective on it as well. Let's get to the CHL's top 10. Some change, because the Portland Winterhawks, who had been number one for, I think it was three weeks in a row, well, they started their trip through the WHL Central Division and lost their first three games. Interestingly, their first three games were against the three bottom teams in the Central Division, in fact, in the Eastern Conference. But they lost in Red Deer, they lost in Edmonton, and they lost in Calgary. So the Winterhawks fall from their number one spot down to number four. They did win their next game in southern Alberta against the uh, Medicine Hat Tigers. Interestingly, Seattle had done the same trip and had the reverse success. They beat Red Deer, they beat Edmonton, they beat Calgary, and then lost their games in southern Alberta. Pretty interesting to see how that plays out. That game with uh, Portland and Edmonton here last weekend, one of the most entertaining games I've uh, been to in the last couple of years. There was a save that uh, Colby Hay made in that game, which was absolutely mind-blowing, and a goal from Ryland Kovacevic. Incredible. And oddly enough, the WHL's top 10 plays of the week come out this week. Neither one of them were in the top 10. I'm dumbfounded by that. It's like the league wasn't watching that, uh, that game or something. Anyway, the top 10 goes like this. Halifax is the new number one, followed by the Moose Jaw Warriors, who are in Edmonton this weekend, Friday night, to take on the Oil Kings. The WHL's Prince George Cougars are ranked number three, followed by Portland. So you got three of the top four are from the WHL. Rowan Noranda coming in at five, followed by the London Knights, Saskatoon Blades, Baycomo Dracar, Mississauga Steelheads, and the Moncton Wildcats holding down the 10th position. One player transfer of note actually happening with the Moose Jaw Warriors, who we just talked about, Dakota McIntosh, a 19-year-old that they drafted way back in 2019, has agreed to terms and has signed uh, his development and scholastic package with the Warriors. He'll be making his debut, I believe, on Friday night against the Oil Kings. What's interesting about this is he's played for five different teams in four different leagues over the last two seasons and two months. Back at the start of 2021-22, he was in the North American Hockey League with the uh, Fairbanks Ice Dogs. He finished that season with the Fargo Force in the USHL, which is where he began last year, but only lasted eight games, and then then he relocated to the BCHL, where he played for Alberta Valley. At the start of this year, he was with the Brooks Bandits for three games in the AJHL, then landed with the Blackfalls Bulldogs, where he's played 14 games, leads the AJHL in scoring with 32 points, 
Now suddenly he's with the Moose Jaw Warriors. Really curious how this has all transpired for him. That's a very chaotic schedule over the last three years. He's a 19-year-old rookie now in the Western Hockey League. It doesn't happen very often. I have to assume it's either doesn't have the uh, the marks to play NCAA hockey or he's not getting the attention from NCAA programs uh, in terms of recruiting, which kind of surprises me if, uh, from a hockey perspective, he's leading the AJHL in scoring. So you'd have to think there's some interest there, which is why I'm going back to the... Uh, the academics, perhaps it's an academic uh, reason. Whatever the case, he's now with the Moose Jaw Warriors. He's gonna, if he plays tonight, he's got a year of scholarship under his belt immediately right there. Plus, he's got another year of eligibility. So if he wants to get a couple years of uh, free schooling, he can do so by playing this year and at least some of next year in the Western Hockey League. Really interesting player, though. Haven't seen him, but he's a six foot two right-handed centerman. And he's putting up points, so we'll see how uh, what he adds to the Moose Jaw Warriors, who are playing some pretty good hockey here as of late. They're now sitting on top of the Eastern Conference. They've played 16 games, so a few teams right behind them have games in hand. Uh, but they have a 625 winning percentage that is third best in the conference. It will definitely be a tough game for the Oil Kings on Friday. With that, going to skip to the uh, NCAA Top 20 poll from USCHO getting into this weekend's action. Uh, the Boston College Eagles are now the number one ranked team. They went up from the three position last week to number one. Denver holds steady at two. North Dakota now number three. Michigan jumps a couple of spots to number four. The big move would be with Wisconsin, who went from 14 all the way up to number five because they swept Minnesota last weekend in Minnesota. Those Golden Gophers drop from the number one spot to number six, right behind the Badgers. Providence holds steady at seven. Quinnipiac goes from five to eight. Boston University still ranked number nine. Cornell, who started late, but they got off to a 2-0 start this season. They are at number 10, followed by Western Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, Minnesota Duluth, New Hampshire, who is uh, playing some pretty good hockey right now. They were not ranked in the top 20 last week. This week, they are 15th. Arizona State, Penn State, Massachusetts, Harvard, and the Maine Black Bears, who haven't been a factor over the last, I don't know, decade, start the year 3-1 and one and hit the bottom of the top 20. All my guests join me courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline. I recommend you go to troubledmonk.com shop. See what Troubled Monk has to offer right now because it changes frequently, and you can place your order online and then pick it up at the tap room in Red Deer or at the farmer's market in either Calgary or Edmonton or at your local liquor store. And if they don't have it there, you can ask them to bring it in for you. But it's craft beverages worth sharing, whether it's craft beer, maybe it's hard iced tea, maybe you like gin and soda or you like spirits like gin or vodka. Tons of different options and they're all delicious. Check them out at Troubled Monk. The three guests that I have for you today, we are going to begin with the head coach of the Sherwood Park Crusaders, who have begun the season probably as well as they could have uh, possibly hoped. Brennan Menard is the head coach. Interesting story because he just became the head coach a couple of weeks before training camp opened. So it's been a very rapid rise to success uh, for he and his club. We'll talk to him about how they're accomplishing all of this. Then we're going to turn on the 2024 draft spotlight for two segments in a row starting with Thomas Lavoie, who is a defenseman with the Cape Breton Eagles. 
formerly the number one overall pick in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League draft. Big defenseman listed by NHL Central Scouting with a B rating, which pegs him as a third-round pick. That was a fun conversation, and uh, we will close things out this week with another player who is ranked this one even higher. Uh, he's an A-rated player out of the Western Hockey League's Medicine Hat Tigers. Caden Lindstrom is his name. Another guy that the Oil Kings will have to contend with this weekend as uh, the Tigers are here in Edmonton on Sunday. So lots of guests, but let's start with some AJHL chatter. Brennan Menard, the head coach of the Sherwood Park Crusaders, is up first. You're listening to The Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Soretsky, Mitchell, one-time shot, scores! Ian Mitchell, this kid's been red hot here on this road trip. He's got goals in back-to-back games, and he opens the scoring here. Hi, this is Ian Mitchell of the Spruce Grove Saints, and you're listening to The Pipeline Show. Done, buddy. Want to come over and watch the game? I'll make a big salad. Uh, I don't know, man. Steve, come over and watch the game. I've got a massive salad here. Yeah, my wife needs me to go shopping with her. Mike, want to watch the game and eat salad with me? Who is this? Did I mention I've got a bunch of Will Hawk beef jerky too? I'll be right over. I'm heading over now. I'm already at your front door. Will Hawk beef jerky because you don't win friends with salad. Will Hawk is the home of Alberta's best beef jerky in Leduc, Spruce Grove, and West Edmonton Mall. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. He fights like an old lady. We are back on the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. We're going to begin this week's episode uh, looking at the Alberta Junior Hockey League and one of the top teams in the league, the Sherwood Park Crusaders. But quickly, a reminder that the Pipeline Show is brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. That's Alberta's best beef jerky. You can get it throughout Western Canada, but here in the Edmonton area, three locations, Leduc, Spruce Grove, and West Edmonton Mall. All right, we are going to talk about the Sherwood Park Crusaders, who are off to a fantastic start in the uh, Alberta Junior Hockey League, standing, sitting, as we're speaking right now, third, but only three points out of first place in the league. And uh, head coach Brennan Menard is uh, joining me now. Uh, Coach, welcome to the Pipeline Show. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Well, terrific start to the season, uh, and I know you got a big game coming up this weekend against the Brooks Bandits, who are one win ahead of you uh, right now in the standings. Well, let's uh, talk about the team so far. You got to be pretty happy with the the way you've come out of the gate. Yeah, getting off to a good start's always good. It definitely helps, uh, you know, sort of sell the message when you're able to, uh, you know, when you're winning. It hasn't obviously, of course, been perfect, but again, when you when things aren't perfect uh, and it's early in the year, um, it helps, uh, you know, when you're finding two points uh, to move forward. So winning helps sells the message always. Well, a record of 14-4 and four right now, top team in the uh, Northern Division uh, or Northern Conference in the AJHL, but if you put it all together, sitting third. What has been the biggest uh, challenge for you so far in the early season? I know this is your first year behind the bench for the Crusaders, coming over from the Kitchener Rangers, so different level of hockey and obviously different group of guys. What's the biggest uh, challenge so far? Yeah, I think just it's, it's a good thing that there's good leadership. And there was, I guess, a, a framework that was kind of left behind for me to kind of step into. So um, the biggest challenge is just meeting people. Like you, there's meeting the players, but then there's actually knowing them. Mm-hmm. And then there's knowing how they tick in hard times in good times knowing them how to get the most out of them what makes them happy it's just actually knowing someone takes time and in order for you to kind of 
I guess serve them the best you can. You have to you have to know you have to know them personally. That's just the best way to get through to anyone. So I would just say, you know, getting in somewhere new. Uh no one really talks about that when you get in somewhere new. It's like you're the coach, you're in charge of hockey and, and all of that. But really like when you when it boils down to things, at least at this level, I haven't been in the NHL obviously, but when you're with junior players, for me personally, it comes down to the relationships I am able to build with them and things they can solve. And the biggest one. What time of year did you actually take over the the position? Was it? I, I don't have a press release in front of me. How long before the season started did you come in? It was really close to the season, actually. Very, uh, just a a couple weeks. So I, I think it was the end of July, maybe uh, third week of July was when we kind of uh, kind of settled on on that so yeah it was like you know it comes quick especially you have a lot of your stuff scattered all over the place and that's not fun i've got two kids and um but you know it's i always say life give and take so there's a silver lining to everything and then you end up there's some things uh that i'm so happy about but in order to get to enjoy those things you have to take care of some other things that are difficult but life's not meant to be easy i guess so (laughs) overall very happy from a hockey perspective, though, and setting aside everything else that's going on in your world uh, at that time, but just getting used to a new team and getting on the same page as your players, and that quickly, like right before camp opens, I, when I asked about big challenges, that's got to be a huge uh, task to get familiar with your players on and off the ice like that and just get settled into a new surroundings. Definitely, yeah. Like it's you know they the thing is is when you deal with people, um, they're always sort of resistant to any type of change i guess it's not like anyone is necessarily against it it just, it just happens that way mm-hmm. but yeah you're sure like when you come in and they, uh, they've got a schedule the way that they liked it um you know you have to like i think that you go very far by being like you know, too heavy about it there's some some give and take negotiating that happens um, as much as you can, trying to find the things that you like and then keep them, I think is always good. So you don't, like I say, you don't just completely pull the rug out from them, and and you can sort of tweak things and, and sort of advance them if you see fit um, as you go. But it's definitely not easy. Your your coaching is difficult in itself, um, just with the day to day with the job. But yeah, you're. you're you're kind of coming to terms. And so for me, it's been a while since I'd done any head coaching. So I was really looking forward to that. Um, but it's not like I'd had a routine go off of that I'd known and done on my sort of as the head coach. There's a, uh, in some good smart people that I've been able to learn from. And I do have, you know, like people that I can, that I lean on and that are close to me. Um, that always helps. But when it's all said and done, you're, you were the one in there and you're the one doing it. So it was the first time for me. I'm actually, I was really happy with the way it went. I felt like the the preparation that I, you know, kind of on the lead up, it was, there were long days, but when it was all said and done and we settled on a plan of the way to kind of integrate and get into the regular season, I think that it, it really did go really well. And I think, um, you know, the decisions, you know, to that point put us, put me in a good spot to be prepared with players that I'd never met before, because like you said, you don't know them. So how you, you know, are supposed to hit the ground running with people that don't know you Mm -hmm. requires a lot of things like they're sort of 
their buy-in, um, their belief in the message, their belief that you have something that can help them be better and, you know, take them to a new level and all that stuff. So, yeah, I think, uh, it was, it took a, it was a lot of, uh, really just kind of getting, um, everything organized and well thought out. And then, you know, I guess so far so good and, you know, just still a long way to go, but yeah, definitely so far so good. Uh, Brendan Menard is the head coach of the Sherwood Park Crusaders, uh, my guest here in the Pipeline Show. Cell phone was giving us a bit of trouble in that uh, at the start of that last answer, but it seems to have come around now, so that's good. We were talking before we began the interview. You're, you're a Thunder Bay guy. You grew up there. You played uh, there in the uh, SIJHL with uh, the Fort William North Stars and uh, then after your junior career at Lakehead University as well. But you did have a season where you were playing with the Crusaders back in 2007-08. Um, so, and having that, this coaching opportunity come up, was it a connection with the Crusaders back then? You're familiar with the organization, at least you wore the Jersey. Was that part of the interest in coming out here? You know, it, it really, um, that did happen. Yeah. But there was, there was, it didn't really have anything to do with sort of, uh, the, the, you know, the, they didn't, those two things didn't really come together as part of it, but okay. there's uh, some familiarity. I, I did. I never did know the owners, uh, but obviously I know them now, and really happy, you know, like with my relationship with them. But um, yeah, I was I was just a player and just a kid, and I, I mean, I knew nothing back then. I just came to the rink and went home. So yeah, it was. Uh, but it is interesting because it, you know, it's like I guess you do see everything that you did once see in your life. Everything is kind of. It's not like it's a new building or anything. Like dressing room is similar but not the same um the rink is exactly the same as it once was with small tweaks and changes here and there that i don't even probably know what they are but <laughs> yeah it's it is interesting i guess when you think about it like how you said where um you know you, you i was just skating around there as a kid at one point well that's funny but you did have head coaching uh, opportunities here in albert i believe it with casey pats correct yeah i did that was where i got started um I started at, uh, it was the U16 triple level there. That was my first, uh, sort of head coaching experience. I was, uh, I, I remember those days very well. I thought I knew a whole bunch of stuff and <laughs> it turns out I didn't, but you know, and it, but that was where I got my start in KC was definitely an opportunity where I went and just really like got my feet wet. I knew I'd known for a long time that I wanted to coach way back to probably in my early twenties. Um, and so I was a great place to start because the organization treated me so well. And then like, they just, they gave me every skate in the organization. Do you want to run a skate for this age group? Yep. I'm in. Do you want to run a skate for that age group? Yep. I'm in this is skate here, this level of player. Do you want it? Yep. I'm in. And everything for me as much as I could be on the ice and getting the opportunity to, to try and learn how to be better myself, but also make other players better at the same time. I was all in and that was, they gave me um, the, you know, my start. And I, and I do remember knowing for sure that I didn't want to go into junior and be someone else's assistant coach. I just felt that there was, too much that I needed to know on my own and I was able to go and try and make mistakes and have success and fail and all of that while not really dealing with a ton of pressure other than just the pressure that I put on myself mm -hmm. um 
And so that environment was really important to me. So, yeah, they've done a lot for me over the years, and I, I definitely that doesn't get lost on me. Well, and since then, you had a, a year coaching uh, with the Spruce Grove Saints, the arch rival here for the uh, the Crusaders. So, uh, playing for you were coaching for the enemy back then, or maybe you're doing that now. I'm not sure. Uh, then a, a, <laughs> yeah. a, a season with uh, Lakehead. And then two years with the Kitchener Rangers, and uh, I wonder how big of a jump that was and uh, just a learning experience. And you talked about how you were around a lot of really good coaches the last few years and have brought that experience uh, with you here uh, to the Crusaders. But what were the last couple of years like with the uh, the Rangers? Yeah, the Kitchener, Kitchener is a, a really good organization, of course. Um, really good people there. Mike McKenzie, uh he interviewed me and hired me along with some other people there. And so I, I, I spent two good years there. I learned so much, you know, you're always learning. I'm, I've learned so much this year, but you're always learning if you pay attention and kind of have that mindset where you don't feel like, you know, everything. Um, so yeah, I, I was, I spent two years there. The league is such a fun league. The level of player that you deal with is, super fun Ontario the OHL just in general uh, it's, uh, it's a lot of your road trips are quite short specifically when you're in Kitchener you're in such a really good location yeah so I learned a lot you know we were we had good assistant coaches that I was with the management um Mike like I said Mike McKenzie he's a really smart guy so you learn a lot from him and his process I've, I've learned a ton from him the way he when he was the head coach the way he managed me and allowed me to grow as a coach like I'll forever be grateful for that there was a lot of like I trust you Brennan you do what you see best um you know I I, I trust you uh you know to whatever you think with that player um that was why I hired you because it, it, at the end of the day he's a GM at heart and uh he hired me to coach players and so just the I learned a lot about how I work with players I do a lot in the summers as well I'm on the ice all the time with uh, people that are way smarter than me so I think just everything kind of it feels like has happened the way it was supposed to what the one the next step was needed to be taken I was lucky enough to get the opportunity to go and take the next step and uh, this is the next step for me right now and it's been really it's been good it's been allowed me to take what I've learned but also some of the ideas that I've had up until this point but now I get to you know there's I may I have the final call on this on you know like it's of course it's their group decisions but if it's something that I feel strongly about I get to make give it the green light and so uh, yeah everything's kind of happened I think the way it's supposed to it's been a a semi-methodical route and then also um i guess life just kind of works that way anyways but you know I, now i'm in a situation where i get to make the decisions on the things that i think are important and uh if, it, whether they work or whether they don't you know i'm making the final call and i'm there's not i guess i don't know if red tape is is the term but like i said you just now the things if it's been research or whatever i I basically get to decide if it's a go or a no-go, and so I've loved that aspect of it. Brennan Menard, head coach of the Sherwood Park Crusaders here on the Pipeline Show. All right, tell me about your team. Uh, when I pull up the, the stats, I see you. Dominic Payne is leading you in scoring with 21 points. He's a defenseman. Uh, we don't see it that often where the leading scorer on a team is a blue liner. 
It's a lot of parity in terms of uh, scoring on your club. It looks like offense by committee. That's very much from the outside looking in, though. How do you see it? Yeah, he's doing well. I think all of our D have been, uh, I would say, pretty productive. They're they're all kind of in on the scoring. I think it some of it just like they're good players, but some of it obviously comes down to how you play and the way you sort of utilize your D. So I think how we do lends itself to that a little bit. They're good players um, in their own right anyways. So, but it's just giving them a little more rope to make some plays that they're capable of making. And he's obviously, uh, he gets on the score sheet a lot because he is a really good player. Um, But yeah, there is a lot of, there's a lot of parody. It feels like at different times, certain players have gotten uh, sort of cooled off and then other guys have, heat it up um but it's it's definitely a balanced attack where it feels like all four of our lines do have the ability to score certain players obviously score more uh with power play and things like that but yeah we're we are definitely getting it from all four lines i do also think we don't we share the ice a lot more just because of we're a pretty good team and so we don't not really like we have forwards that are getting on the ice for 21 minutes in a game like it's usually there's a lot of guys around the 14 15 mark and so then we're able to uh i guess have more energy and uh as the game goes on i think that's another thing that's been effective for us is the ability to have depth and it's not like we have a fourth line that you need to hide from other teams top line either like they could very easily go out and score against another team's uh top line too so I mean, would we love a 50 goal score? Yeah, of course. But you know, maybe we have one. We're we're still early in the year. We're just we're kind of uh, just learning about who we are, and that's why I say there's been players that cool off and get going at you know certain times. Those are all things that you're learning about them. What? Why did that happen? You know, what was it? Is it just a dip? Is it the month? Was it success came early and they slowed up? Like really, there's so many things that it could be. So. Um, as of as of right now, I don't even think that we've really seen all four lines play their best game. Maybe the Oak Toast game I thought was a really solid game by us, but other than that, it seems like it's different guys all the time. Well, you're going to need to be playing your best uh, this weekend. You got a couple of uh, big games. Uh, you got the Brooks Bandits and the Drumheller Dragons. I know Drumheller got the better of you a couple. Uh, well, last weekend I think it was, or the weekend before, seven four. Uh, loss at home uh, but you're going to drum heller so you're going to look to exact some revenge there that's a tr- tough trip though brooks first and then drum heller the next day uh, how do you get ready for a, a big weekend like this we we've done this exact this exact road trip already and we went oh and two so <laughs> at the beginning of the year i think uh games four and five of the year i think we we're three and oh when we went up right came home three and two blew two third period leads and then, uh, you know, we learned from that and rattled off 10 wins in a row. So it's, uh, we've already gone up and gone over two and we took a lot of positives. We're a different team when we went up there. Then, of course, you know, we did just lose. That was after the Bonneville game, which was the other time where we've lost back to back. And hopefully that's not a pattern, but, um, so yeah, we, we're going up. It's a road trip that we've already done. We're a different team now than when when we went there, of course, because it's later in the year. But so are they. The the Drumheller Dragons they play us tough, and Brooks is Brooks. There's not really more that needs to be said about them. They're uh, and they just come up, came off a loss to uh, Black Falls, which I watched last night. So I'm I can only imagine they're not going to be happy right now. So. 
um yeah we we've had four practices it's we've been working sort of at our style of play details basically front to back um and sort of some special situations that we might find ourselves in in games like that with opponents like that Mm -hmm. and uh you know then you got to go down and you got to execute and at the end of the day you have to when you play against brooks they've got four lines that can hurt you so you're you know your situational hockey and um how you sort of you know, manage the highs and lows always comes, but the, you're not going to deny them from getting any chances, no matter how good and how stacked your team is and how good you are. They're going to find their opportunities. Um, you have to minimize them and you have to capitalize on yours, but it's going to be a hard weekend. And I think uh, where we're at right now, we need it and we're looking forward to it. There'll be a lot of uh, NHL fans, draft junkies, who will know that a couple of your players were listed by NHL Central Scouting. Uh, before I let you go, I should get uh, maybe a bit of a scouting report on Diego Johnson and Ryan Zaremba. So Zaremba's in his first year in junior, so he's he's just come on. He got going right off the hop in uh, in training camp. This kid can fly. He's got great hands. He's an, a really good passer. Like, like skaters like that are especially with the way, you know, hockey is played nowadays, specifically at the NHL level. He's got a long way to go before he's in the NHL or anything like that. But the skating is just so good. Um, He's kind of more of a winger when he got here. Mm -hmm. But we've moved him into a German. We just feel like the speed that he has through the middle of the ice, the way he's able to control the puck on his stick and sort of slice in and out of coverages is, so dangerous so he's been getting better at, at his coverages uh at winning draws and things like that because anytime you move there's a lot of nuances of a centerman that as a winger you just don't have so he's been really especially as of late too because he kind of slowed off there for a little bit uh success came easy in in sort of preseason, and then it was uh starting to get to him when he wasn't going but now he's he looks like he's back to the guy uh that he was and he's he's just He's just got so much talent. He's a very smart kid, very bright kid. He's committed to Minnesota Duluth. And um, so it's, it's really like it came quick for him, and now he's on central scouting. I'm, I'm sure he didn't come here thinking that was going to happen, so there will be managing all of that that he has to deal with. But so far, he's doing well, and he's only getting better. Diego Johnson, he came here from the BCHL. He's the Wisconsin commit. Um, he got off to uh, – a bit of a slow start and really within the last couple of weeks, like he's just a really competitive kid. I don't think he liked the fact that he wasn't having success. Um, offensively, he was probably expecting more of himself than the way he came out, but the the way he is, he's a really competitive kid. He's obviously really smart. He's committed to Wisconsin, mm-hmm. which is a really good school. There's all the ability in the world there. And, you know, he just, he just comes every day with a bit of like a, I don't know, a chip on his shoulder. And he's just, he's, uh, he's, like I said, I'm here. He's a little bit crazy, but in a good way. And, um, yeah, he's got goals in four straight. Most of them have been near the net as opposed to shooting, which is, um, what the way I saw him before he came here. So that's good. Cause I'm sure he's going to start sh- scoring off shots soon as well but i think he's up to like nine or ten goals now and he's he's getting hot right now too so it's a good 
I think two different beginnings to the season. One got off hot and cooled off. One got off slow and now he's picking up and they're both starting to find their game at the exact same time. They're playing on a line together. They look really good together. And uh, yeah, we got, uh, they're on a line together. We've got three 17 year olds. It's a really good line. Wow. Uh, we such playing with them. Oh, Brock such is playing with them. All right. Perfect. Uh, well, yeah, he, I think he's going really to the same club, line. right? Uh, we know his brother, uh, Carter such was a longtime member of the Edmonton yeah. oil Kings hockey family. Well, uh, Coach, I really appreciate your time. Uh, best of luck this weekend in those two games and continued success over the course of the rest of the season here. This is uh, terrific. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. Thanks for advertising our team and our players as well. It's always good. There's the head coach of the Sherwood Park Crusaders out of the Alberta Junior Hockey League. His name is Brennan Menard. Experience at the uh, OHL level for coaching as well as U-sport, played U-sport. Played Junior A in Canada for a long time. Maybe this is one of those up-and-coming young coaches that the at least the, the type of coach, a lot of the conversation that we're having lately about old-school coaches still getting jobs after, you know, their fourth or fifth kick at the can, so to speak, and why there hasn't been like a new wave of young coaches coming along the way. Well, maybe a guy like Brendan Menard is part of that new wave. We'll see. We got two segments uh, coming up in a row that are both draft spotlight segments. We're going to begin. We're going to go to the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, and Thomas Lavoie is a big defenseman with the Cape Breton Eagles. In 2022, he was the first overall pick in the Q's entry draft. He's given a B rating by NHL Central Scouting. We'll get to know him next here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Willock Beef Jerky. Red. Still with the puck. Fires across and they score! Pierre-Luc Dubois on the one-timer. Wires it past Bo Taylor. Hey, it's Pierre-Luc Dubois from the Cape Breton Screen Eagles, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 93% rate. Trevor Zegras. And they score on the lacrosse move. Jake Gensel. Gensel banks it towards the goal. He scores. Kale McCarr. Kale McCarr. He scores. Stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you're a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. My goodness gracious me. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Oh, that's greasy. That's really greasy. Yeah, that's greasy. We're back on the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming, the program brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. But the, in this segment, we are turning on the 2024 draft spotlight, and we will get to know another player who is eligible for the upcoming NHL draft. And in this segment, we are heading all the way out uh, as far east as you can go in the Canadian Hockey League uh, with the Cape Breton Eagles. And a defenseman, Thomas Lavoie, is my guest. Uh, Thomas, uh, welcome to the Pipeline Show. How are you? Good, you? I'm doing well. And I joke because we were talking before we started recording. Is it Thomas or is it Thomas? And you told me it's, you know, you can go by both. Uh, what what do the most of the guys call you? I'd uh, probably say Thomas uh, most of the time, yeah. Okay, well, I can do both. So uh, what would you prefer? Uh, Thomas. We'll say in French. All right, sounds good. Uh, Thomas Lavoie is my guest. Uh, now, uh, tell me about the start of the season for you and the Eagles. I know you're just coming back from a, a three-game road trip uh, into into Quebec. 
uh, with a two and one record. So I guess things are going pretty well right now for the Eagles. Uh, yeah, we can say that. Uh, honestly, we're trying to work uh, every week uh, to get better, but I think we had a good start on the road. Uh, we're not. We're trying to get more wins uh, at home. It, it has been uh, uh, disappointing, I'll say, uh, since we started the season, but uh, we'll figure it out. And yeah, I think we are getting better every week. Do you think you're better so far? You've been better on the road than you have been at home, and and why would why would that be? Do you think? I actually don't know why we're better on the road this year. Uh, probably say most of the guys that we're playing when we're playing away, they're playing in front of their family or something like that. But I don't know, honestly. Uh, for you, is it is it like that when you go out onto the road? Uh, go into Quebec, you're closer to home, and your friends and family come out and watch you play. Yes, they came. Uh, we played Blaisdell uh, last uh, Saturday, and a couple of my friends and family were there, but. Honestly, it doesn't change uh, the way I played. Well, uh, two and one on that last road trip. Well, overall, right now, fourth place in the Eastern Conference, uh, but big weekend uh, coming up. I know uh, you lost in Sherbrooke, but they are your opponent uh, on uh, on Friday. Uh, I guess on Thursday, actually. You're playing them uh, tomorrow. We're, yeah. As we're speaking right now, it's Wednesday, so this, this episode will actually come out for most people on Friday, so it'll be the day yeah. after that game. But after you've, you've lost to a team, is it nice to get right back so you can play them again uh, right after a loss to, to try to get revenge? Yeah, we actually want a revenge uh, as soon as possible. And I think that's the best scenario right now that they come in town uh, after six days, I'll say, seven days they, we played them. Mm-hmm. I think, yep, that's the best scenario. All right, perfect. Uh, for yourself, uh, eight points so far this year uh, after 16 games. Are you happy with that sort of production or the way that you're playing? Are you are you pleased with your performance so far this year? Sure, uh, I really like the way I play uh, right now. But honestly, for me, the stats are not very important. Honestly, if you're doing the your job on the ice uh, every night and you don't have uh, a point or a goal, it still doesn't matter. It's all the way, It's the way you play on a daily basis. How do you feel this year compared to last year when you were a rookie in the in the uh, in the CHL uh, with the Quebec Major Junior Hockey Leagues at Cape Breton Eagles? How how do you feel differently having already got a season under your belt? I think I took last year as an experience. Uh, I played for 16 years old. I played a lot. We had a lot of the injury when we started the season, mm-hmm. and I think uh, all the minutes that I played were just. A lot of experience that I took, and this year I'm most prepared for how to face adversity, and I think it really helped me. Has your defensive partner been the same guy all season long, or has that changed uh, throughout the year? Uh, it changes uh, a lot. Honestly, it depends, uh, I'll say probably, on the injury, on who's the lineup, and all that stuff, but I didn't play with uh, one person in common. Uh, you're a right-handed shot. Do you play on the right side, or are you one of those guys who are, is comfortable playing on the opposite side? Uh, I can play on both sides. Honestly, it doesn't matter for me. It's just if I'm playing on the, the left side, I'm just going to try to get better on that side. And if I go back on the right side, I'll try to get better on that side too. It's honestly doesn't matter. Uh, Thomas Lavoie is my guest, defenseman with the Cape Breton Eagles. Uh, Thomas. I've described this as a, a, it's a draft spotlight segment. So the my my show is a junior and college hockey show. So my regular audience will will be familiar with you already to some degree. 
But there will be a lot of uh, casual NHL fans who they may or may not care about junior hockey at all, but because you're a name for the NHL draft, they'll listen to this to, to try to get some information about you. Uh, so for people like that, let's maybe start at the beginning. Uh, we know you're from Quebec, from around the uh, the Montreal area. Where do you actually grow up? What do you call home? I call uh, it's called Repentigny. Repentigny. Whereabouts is that? Uh, it's on the North Rive of Montreal, and it's probably like 10, 15 minutes from Montreal. Okay, very good. How old were you when you first started playing hockey? Do you remember? I think I started at four years old. Four years old. Who got you into hockey at that age? Uh, while I was watching Montreal Canadian, P.K. Subban was my model, and I wanted to be like him. And I'm guessing, I don't know if you have older brothers or anything like that, but your your father probably got you into hockey? I'm an only child, and uh, no, actually my father was a huge baseball player, so I, I took another sport from him. <laughs> oh, that's funny. How, well, so how did you get into hockey then? Just, I mean, you're a Canadian kid, just all your friends are playing hockey, and you wanted to try too? Yeah, basically like that, yeah. Uh, and you mentioned P.K. Subban, so he's a defenseman. Is that why you wanted to be a defenseman too? Yeah, well, uh, like I said, when he played from the Montreal Canadian, he was my model, and I wanted to be like him. He was like doing crazy play, heavy shot, and I really wanted to be like him. Did you ever play other positions, like when you were seven years old or nine years old, Did you, or have you always been a defenseman? I played one year in Peewee. I went, I went forward, and that year I took experience from that, so I know what it's like to be a forward in that situation or another. So when you're a defenseman and you want to pass it on the side, and the play's not here, but you know why, because you played forward before. So hmm. I think it helped me. But you're more comfortable on the blue line. Yeah. Did you ever put the pads on ever i mean you're a big guy i don't know if you've always been one of the biggest kids your age or something like that uh, but a lot of players tell me that maybe they were six years old and their team didn't have a full-time goaltender so everyone had to had to take a turn putting the pads on uh, did you have an experience like that uh no actually i never put the pads on really yeah i never uh, put the pads on it never interested me to be a goalie and save us uh, i just don't know why Hey, it, it probably hurts more to block pucks as a defenseman than it does to to stop them as a goaltender. Yeah, I agree with that. But like, like I said, uh, like a goalie is staying always in the defensive zone and mm -hmm. in his crease, he's not moving and all that stuff. You know. So you think it would be too boring for you? Probably a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Domalavois is my guest uh, with the Cape Breton Eagles. Uh, take me back to the uh, the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League's uh, entry draft. Uh, you didn't have to wait long to hear your name called in back in 2022 because you were the number one overall pick. Uh, what was that experience like? Um, um, we didn't have a draft in person. Um, that was the last year before they go back in person. Right. But the Cape Breton uh, Eagles family uh, welcoming uh, me here in Cape Breton well, one day before the draft and we made the draft here. I've been drafted uh, at the hotel and uh, with a couple of uh, players that played here like Pierre-Luc Dubois, Drake Batterson, uh, James Shepard and uh, who's the other one? Logan Shaw was there too. So I think it was something kind of special. I know it was not in person and I didn't experience that uh, so far but that was uh, pretty fun to uh, 
Geth here and being drafted in Cape Breton. That does sound very cool. Um, now, being the first overall player taken, I would assume that there's some pressure that goes along with that because the obviously the organization is going to be expecting a lot because they use that number one pick. The fans are going to expect you to be a difference maker. Uh, what and there's probably you probably have some expectations of your own uh, that high of a draft pick and that you can deliver. Uh, how do you handle pressure like that? Uh, yeah, that was a lot of pressure, but honestly, I tried to avoid that pressure because if I put too much pressure on me, it can affect my game, my mental, and all that stuff. I just so I just put that away, and uh, you know, the draft was in. Uh, July, so that was past, and now everybody in the league is playing, and there's no like better player than another. Everyone's playing there, and you're just doing uh, your thing. So yeah, just putting the pressure away, it's something that uh, really helping me to handle that. Well, you're 17 years old, but yeah, again, the first overall pick. I, I would assume there's going to be some expectation of leadership. Do you feel like you're sort of taking on a bit more of that role, even though you're a young player still? Uh, yeah, obviously. Uh, you know, we have a couple of new players uh, this year, and I've been in their situation last year, so I can help them with if they struggle for something because I've been through that last year. And to the older guys or uh, anybody in the room, if I know they're having a bad day, I'm just the kind of person to go one-on-one -on -one and talk to them and just know what's going on and try to help them. Uh, Thomas, for those of us who haven't had a chance to watch you play yet, how do you describe your game? Uh, I'll probably say two-way defenseman. Um, honestly, I'm not more offensive or defensive. Uh, I can play physical, too. I got a good shot, a good vision, make a good first pass. Well, and you're the biggest guy, and you might be the biggest guy on your whole team. at six foot four and 225 pounds. At least that's what it says on the sheet that I'm looking at right now. Is that still up to date? Uh, yeah, it's still up to date, yeah. Are you a guy who uh, is happy to put a guy through the boards as well? When it needed to, when I need to put someone on the board, um, I feel happy about that. Like I, I said, I'm a physical player, but I'm still working on that. To me, uh, more physical. Uh, it's something that you try to work uh, every practice and every game. But uh, yeah, I, I kind of like that to push uh, the others. Yeah. I'll ask a lot of players on this show in this segment how much they think about the NHL draft. And some guys tell me kind of like what you talked about, about how you deal with pressure. You don't want to think about it um, because you don't want it to be a distraction. But there are a lot of players who are, who tell me they want to know who, you know, where Bob McKenzie from TSN has them ranked or NHL Central Scouting or, or Sportsnet. They want to know because they use that as, as motivation. Uh, what about for you? Do you, do you look at rankings and things like that? Uh, honestly, no. It's like pressure, like I said. Uh, you know, they they release their first uh, list of the in the twenty four uh, NHL draft, and then I took that like a draft sheet. Honestly, it's the first one, and it's not the final product. So I still have time to get better at everything and try to prove them they're they're, they're wrong. And every night, uh, every Every day, obviously, I'm not thinking about that. It's going to come when it's going to come. And it's just a pressure that you can't avoid. Because if you think of that, for, for me in my case, if I just think about that every day, it can put uh, a lot of pressure on my shoulder and it can affect my game uh, and all that stuff, you know? 
usually I'll ask guys what they need to do to to uh, improve their game the most. Most guys tell me they need to get bigger and stronger. You're already 6'4", you're already 225 pounds, so I'm guessing you're already big and strong. So what areas of your game do you uh, still need to work on the most? Uh, I'll probably say my defensive zone. Uh, when it comes to the net, boxing out the player, not letting them have the puck and like be more mean on the ice, I'll say. Hmm. Uh, how about skating? A lot of guys your size at your age uh, think uh, maybe they need to uh, make sure that they're they're not too big and, and slow and that skating can be an issue. Uh, is skating something that you're focused on? Sure. You know, you're trying to get better at uh, every aspect of the game and skating. Uh, I think for my size, I have a pretty good skating, but it mm. still can get better. Uh, Toma, away from hockey, what do you like to do? You can't be playing hockey 12 months of the year and, and focused on hockey all the time. So when you're not uh, working out or on the ice, what do you like to do? I really like to play golf and listening to music. Do you play music as well or just listen? No, just listen. Okay. Uh, golf. Whenever the guys tell me that they're golfers, I ask them uh, what their favorite course is. doesn't have to be a famous one or anything like that, but just if you have time, where do you like to go? Um, there's one in Cape Breton. I didn't play yet. The Cabot Trail. It's like uh, one of the best and top ten in the world of course. courses, but like it's really expensive. I didn't play that one yet. But in Cape Breton, I played uh, the lakes. It was probably... The best one I played, yeah. Well, maybe uh, Patrick McNeil will take you to uh, Cabot Trail, maybe. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> they pay him the big bucks, don't they? <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, Thomas, I really appreciate your time. Uh, best of luck the rest of the way this season, and uh, whatever happens at the NHL draft, I uh, hope we can uh, talk again one day. No problem. We'll uh, probably chat uh, soon. Maybe we will talk again soon. That was Thomas Lavoie, or uh, Thomas Lavoie for you anglophones who uh, don't have a firm grasp on the French language like I do. I say that completely in jest. And for those who don't know, uh, Patrick McNeil is the uh, longtime voice of the Cape Breton Eagles. He's the fellow who's helped set up that interview. We've been actually trying to do this for about three weeks now uh, to get uh, Thomas on the show. Patrick, a terrific guy, great broadcaster, and I really appreciate the assistance on that one. What do you think? Here's a defenseman. He was given a B rating by NHL Central Scouting. So more of a, a third round kind of guy at this point in the eyes of Central Scouting. Six foot four defenseman, two hundred and twenty-five pounds, first overall pick in the Q draft. Seems like a guy with lots of upside, but haven't seen the Eagles play myself. So if you've been out maybe you're a, a Q fan, let me know your thoughts on uh, Thomas Lavoie. Find me on X or Twitter at TPS underscore Guy. We've got one more episode to go this week, and it's another draft spotlight. This time in the Western Hockey League. It's a really good crop of WHLers again for the upcoming NHL draft, and uh, this might be one of the biggest of the high-end WHLers. His name is Caden Lindstrom, and he is a forward with the Medicine Hat Tigers. And he's up next here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Willock Beef Jerky. No sleep till... Off the wall, falling there was Longo as uh, he couldn't stop that rush on the right side. Goodberg walks in, hands it up in front. That's Hogard making a nice read there, stretching out those long legs. Hey, it's Matt Sogard from the Medicine Hat Tigers, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. The Oil 
Oil Kings are Edmonton's first choice for family fun. Your Edmonton Oil Kings are back in the thick of it, taking the WHL by storm. And you can be right there cheering them on. Great family entertainment starts at just $20 a seat or never miss a game with season seats as low as $9 per game. Thrilling Western Hockey League action, amazing theme nights, and special price kids food combos at every home game for $10 or less. The entertainment value is king-sized. Secure your seat for the next action-packed, exciting Oil Kings home game today at oilkings.ca. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Hey, everybody. An old man's talking. Final segment to go on this week's episode of The Pipeline Show. It's going to be another 2024 draft spotlight where we get to know somebody else who is uh, eligible for the upcoming NHL draft. For this one, we're going to go uh, to the Medicine Hat Tigers where there are more than one. In fact, there are probably three or four guys that will be on the show at some point this year. Quick reminder, the program brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best. You can get it throughout Western Canada by going to their website at wilhockbeefjerky.com. All right, joining me now from the Medicine Hat Tigers is a uh, one of the guys who is highly touted uh, out of the Western Hockey League this year for the upcoming NHL draft. That would be Caden Lindstrom. Caden, uh, welcome to the Pipeline Show. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to get a chance to speak with you. Uh, the team is playing well. You're shooting the lights out uh, this year. I, I have to think you're pretty happy with the uh, the start to the season for the Tigers and for yourself. Uh, yeah, it could always be better, but yeah, I'm pretty pretty happy of how good we're starting. So. Well, what could have been better? You say it could always be better. Well, how? Well, I mean, there's always the games that we lost that we could have won, so I just think of that part, it could have been better, so yeah. All right. Well, okay. The um, Tigers are uh, nine five and one. You've got, or you've got the best winning percentage in the Eastern Conference. Uh, I think there's only a couple of teams in the Western Conference with a higher one uh, than the Tigers do. So, hey, from the outside looking in, it looks like you got lots of reasons to be happy. And for yourself personally, last year as a, a rookie in the league, a fantastic season: nineteen goals, forty-two points. You already got twenty-two points. You've only played fifteen games, uh, thirteen goals in those fifteen games. Uh, I always ask the guys in year two what the biggest difference is from your rookie year to your second year, and most guys say it's just a comfort level having gone through the league before. Uh, what about for you? Uh, yeah, just just more experience and just knowing what I have to do. I was kind of expected what what the league was like from last year, anyway. So yeah, just that. Was there anything about the WHL that surprised you in year one? Uh definitely. Just, just how much time and space you you had. You don't, you don't have much of it because all the guys are so much faster and bigger and smarter mm-hmm. than uh, than the minor hockey. So, yeah, just that. And in year now, in you, in your second year, a lot more responsibility coming your way. It's it's a pretty young team as it is, but I know going from a team that finished dead last in the league to a playoff team last year, well, it impressed everybody. Probably surprised some people though too. Uh, but now this year, I mean, you're where you are in the standings and uh, as i said uh, taking on more responsibility and that's got to be something that you were looking forward to this year knowing that that was going to come your way uh yeah for sure we're trying to we're trying to be a championship team this year so yeah uh your line mates uh, for with the tigers this year has that changed a lot uh no it's uh mostly been just me mckenzie and basha so yeah well that's a pretty pretty good line uh you got your team captain and uh, Andrew Basha, another guy who's draft eligible this year. Um, what what yeah. is the uh, the secret to the chemistry between the three of you? Uh, I mean, there's no secret. We just we just play well together. We're three we're three hard workers, skilled hard workers that can uh, 
that can shoot, pass, and skate well. So, yeah. You think all three of you have similar traits? I mean, you're a big guy, Andrew Bashaw and Tyler McKenzie. Not big guys, but you all sort of have the same sort of a job description on that line? Uh, yeah, same same but different in a way. We, we've got a bit of a mixture of everything. That probably makes us what that's what makes us so good probably. We got uh, the size, the physicality and skill and uh yeah, and the hard work. Uh as we're speaking right now, it's uh Thursday. Yesterday you guys were in action, uh, dropped a close game or a, a a tough game against uh the uh who'd you play yesterday? The Portland Winterhawks? Yeah. You, this weekend you're uh you're at home to uh, the arch rival uh, Lethbridge Hurricanes. You come up to Edmonton here to play the Oil Kings as well. It's not often you've been losing this year, but how do you get uh, back into the win column? Uh, yeah, just sticking uh, to what we know we have to do to win the games, and uh, yeah, just just staying prepared uh, before and during the games. Caden Lindstrom is uh, my guest, a big forward with the uh, Medicine Hat Tigers, uh, and Caden, uh, the pipeline shows a junior in college hockey show, so my regular audience will know about you already, but they will be uh, casual NHL fans who don't care about junior hockey at all. They'll listen to this segment because you're a... Uh, uh, highly touted player for the upcoming NHL drafts. Uh, so for the, the benefit of that portion of the audience, maybe let's start at the beginning and get some background, if you don't mind. Uh, where are you from, Caden? Uh, I'm from a small town called Shelton, B.C., and it's uh, way up north in B.C. And, uh, yeah, it's around uh, Fort St. John and, like, Dawson Creek and all those little towns. So, yeah. Born and raised up there? Uh, yeah, born and raised in those three little little towns there, yeah. Yeah, there's about, what, 3,000 people maybe in Chetwin? Yeah, about 2,500, yeah. Uh, who got you into hockey at a young age? Uh, my mom. My mom and my grandpa, really. Uh, I used to, my mom always used to just uh, take me to, uh, the public skates at the, uh, at the rec center all the time. I just kind of fell in love with it there. Have you always been a forward? Uh, I mean... In like in like pre offs and stuff, you were kind of, you kind of played wherever. I played goalie like maybe a couple times, uh, defenseman a couple times. Well, yeah, mostly forward. Well, that's funny. I, I usually ask players that question about having uh, the the chance to put the pads on, uh, maybe because your team didn't have a full time goaltender. I'm guessing in Chetwin there was a lot of opportunity for that because it's not that big of a population. So uh, I guess if you wanted to play goal, you could play goal anytime you wanted. You, you did get that chance a couple of times. How did it go? Uh, yeah, I played. I played a couple of times. I was pretty young. Can't really remember how it went, but I think it was it was fun and all. But I don't think I could be a goalie. But yeah, it was good. Well, six foot five, you could be a goaltender. I'm sure uh, that you're the, the prototypical uh, height now for for goaltenders. How far did you have to travel just playing minor hockey? I know Dawson Creek's what about an hour maybe, in, in Fort Saint John are they about an hour away from Chetwin? Yeah, yeah, about that. All right, so those two uh, places you would go, where else would you play? Uh, well, depending on the, the age division and stuff, but I don't know. You play, we play in the Alberta League a lot. Like this double A league, you go to like the Duke, uh, Grand Prairie, uh, like Grand Cash, and all those little places. And then, uh, yeah, the surrounding places, yeah. Uh, what age would have that have been when you were traveling all the way from Chetwin to Leduc? That's that's a heck of a drive. Uh, Peewees. Yeah, that is a uh, a big league. All right, take me back to the uh, the Bantam draft and talk to when I ask players about the Bantam draft. 
a lot of guys were at school or maybe they were staying at home. Some years, obviously, might have been a little different for you because I'm not sure if uh, how yours was impacted with uh, the, the COVID stoppages and what time of year uh, yours was. But go back to 2021, third round pick for yourself. What was draft day like for you? Uh, yeah, it was just uh, it was just uh, one of those days in December. Uh, so I was at school. So it was a week. And, uh, yeah, I found out actually on the bus because we would always take the bus at the academy to the school. That uh, I got drafted by the Medicine Tigers by one of my buddies, so they kind of just like yelled it out to me on the bus. So <laughs> I was looking, there I was. Nice. Did you have expectations of where you would go? Not necessarily the the team that would take you, but about where in the draft you would go. What round? Uh no, I had no clue really because I was really unsure if I wanted to go NCAA or WHL still. So I had no no clue where I was gonna end up. Well, that's really interesting. What uh, what was the turning point for you, or what helped you make the decision uh, to eventually go to Medicine Hat? Well, I was actually basically 100% wanting to go to college, but I had some talks with my agent and stuff like that, and I visited Medicine Hat for a week. Not, I wasn't planning a sign or anything like that, but I just I realized how, how good of a league it was and how good of the, the coaching staff there was in Medicine Hat, so I thought, that was the uh, best decision for me. Out of curiosity, did you have an NCAA uh, program in mind that you had already kind of convinced yourself you wanted to play for? Uh, I really wanted to play for North Dakota at the time, yeah. Of course, beautiful rink. You ever been down to the Ralph? No, 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 yeah. I haven't. Pretty amazing program, that's for sure. But uh, you made the decision, you you you, uh, you signed with the Medicine Hat Tigers, Um Willie Desjardins, what was your first impression? I know for some people he could be a bit of an intimidating guy. We're talking about a guy with lots of experience, NHL experience. What was that first meeting like? Uh, I'm going to be honest, I can't even really remember what the first meeting like. It was like we had, we've had so many of them, but yeah, <laughs> he's a really good guy. He's, uh, he's easy to talk to, and obviously he's really experienced, so he knows what he's talking about. And he's, just, uh, he's just one of those guys I could trust and help, help teach me about the game so yeah earlier i was mentioning about how young your team is a lot of draft eligible guys uh, or guys about your age mentioned andrew basha and uh, thomas mercik this year and yourself pretty highly toted players and then of course you got uh, mr uh, gavin mckenna who is not eligible this year but next year pretty cool that you guys are all kind of coming up together and this team is really going to be a contender for the next two or three years oh uh, yeah it's, it's definitely exciting of how how young and skilled and fast of a team we are and just how like tight knit we are. We're all, we're all pretty close with each other. We always do, do, uh, do stuff outside of hockey with each other. So that just brings our team even closer and makes us even better. So, yeah. Can I pick your brain and get a scouting report on uh, each one of those three guys on Andrew Basha and, and Thomas Mercik and, uh, Gavin McKenna as well. I mean, they're all different players, but from your perspective, you get to practice with them, you get to play with them. Uh, what kind of players are they? Uh, yeah, well, my linebacker Bash, he's a uh, he's a really skilled, quick, shifty uh, forward. That uh, he's a playmaker as well. You can find him wherever you are on the ice. So yeah, he's a great passer. And then Mercik's uh, a really good, a really good, skilled uh, fast forward as well. A playmaker with a with a really good shot. And obviously, Gavin McKenna. Is obviously pretty good, as, as most most people know. He's a uh, really skilled, really shifty, really slippery, and yeah, he just he can get out of any situation and uh, really good passer, good vision, and all that. So 
Caden Lindstrom is my guest uh, forward with the Medicine Hat Tigers. Uh, for those who haven't had a chance to watch you or the Tigers play, I'll finally get a chance to do that in person uh, this weekend, although I saw you last year as well. Um, but uh, I do color for the Oil Kings, so I'll be at the rink this weekend. Uh, tell me about your game and, and maybe describe yourself as a player, for, for again, for those who have never seen you play before. Uh, yeah, I'd say I'm just a, a big, fast power forward, a skilled power forward. That has good vision, uh, good shot, and uh, I like I like protecting the puck. Uh, I think I protect the puck well, and uh, yeah, I think I create quite a bit of offense as well. I'm looking at lists you at six five and two hundred and five pounds. I or I actually uh, yeah two hundred and five pounds. I don't know if that's up to date though. Uh, what are you at right now? Uh, I don't know. I guess I shrunk a little bit. Uh, I'm about six three two ten, but yeah. Six three and two ten. So you you you've lost two inches, but you've gained five pounds. Yeah, I guess so. I don't I don't think that six five has ever been right, but that's okay. All right. Well, actually, the WHL website says six four and two fifteen. So they've got you even heavier, oh. slightly taller. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I guess it's, I guess it's different all over the place. It is. Holy cow! Yeah. I ask the guys when they're on the show how much they think about the uh, the NHL draft. Uh, it's obviously a big season. It's something I'm sure you've been thinking about for a long time. But now that you're in this year, some guys will say they don't want to think about the draft. They don't want it to become a distraction. Other guys tell me they, they seek out to see who's got them ranked, where whether it's TSN or Sportsnet or you know Elite Prospects or Central Scouting. And then they use that as motivation. Uh, what about for you? Uh, yeah, I'd I don't really think about it. Well, obviously I do think about it, but I don't let it affect me where I'm ranked or anything like that. Cause I know, I know there's still work to be done. And I, I know I, I have a lot to improve on and stuff like that. So yeah, I don't really let it affect me or I don't think about it too much. Uh, yeah, I just, I just keep the same mindset of just working hard and just uh, working on all my weaknesses. So, yeah. So when Central Scouting has you as an A player and various other rankings, everybody seems to have you as a first round pick. That doesn't uh, motivate you, or it doesn't. How do you, like? What's your reaction to that then? Uh, my reaction is just, uh, just still catching the players that are that are ahead of me. I guess hmm. just uh, still, still trying to improve and stuff like that. So yeah. Well, you said the work isn't done. A lot of guys will tell me that it's about getting bigger and stronger. Well, you're. You're six from somewhere from six foot three to six foot five, and from from two hundred and five yeah. to two hundred and fifteen pounds, somewhere in there. Uh, so you're already big and strong. So what are the areas of your game that you think you need to work on? Uh, I'd say my defensive game. I don't. I don't think it's uh, up to par. Uh, I think it's. Uh, yeah, I think it's definitely something I need to improve on. Because uh, once my defense is good, and my offense will be even better. So. Yeah, just going over film and stuff like that and working on the practice will help me out with that. So It's pretty even split between goals and assists uh, for you for yourself. Uh, I mean, that's nice to have that balance, but do you think of yourself more as a, a goal scorer or a setup guy? Uh, it it really depends on the game. I'd say yeah, I don't know. I could I could set up guys and I and I could score, so maybe maybe a combination of the two, yeah. Your uh, season got started a little earlier this year. You got to uh, play for Canada at the Holinka Gretzky Cup uh, overseas uh, back in August. What was that experience like? Oh, it was awesome. It was my first time uh, being in Europe, and it was just such a cool experience. And winning a gold medal with uh, with that team was was even, made it even better. And uh, yeah, it was just such a great team to be around and just 
to be a part of. So yeah, doing it in overtime too, pretty exciting finish. Oh, it was unreal. Yeah, the crowd is the crowd is bumping. So yeah, it was good. I've had uh, uh, writer Richie and Henry Muse uh, from that team on the show already this year, and they they talked about you know having to come together as a group pretty quickly. There was no training camp or, or anything like that until you got over there and you played an exhibition game or two. Uh, how do you handle that when you, you have a bunch of guys, a bunch of them you probably didn't know at all, but you have to come together as a team and and you do and you win gold? What was that experience like? Uh, yeah, it was pretty. Well, all the coaching staff and everything like that, and just how they ran it, made it pretty easy for us to all all come together. But we all we have all played either with each other, or against each other at one point, so hmm. we're all pretty familiar with each other. So we all kind of clicked and. Uh, yeah, we all just kind of hung out outside of hockey and we'd like go on walks or something like that or maybe just play play some chow on the Xbox or something like that. So, mm. yeah, it made it made it pretty easy to to get together and get to know each other pretty quickly. So, who is the best at playing uh the the NHL games on uh, on the on Xbox or PlayStation whatever you had? Uh, I actually don't know. I was I wasn't in those games. We just watched, but we would usually play like uh WHL versus OHL on the thing, so those got pretty heated. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. Yeah. Hey, when you're not uh, involved with hockey, what do you do in the off season or something to uh, sort of kind of get away from it? You can't be focused on hockey uh, 24 hours a day for 12 months of the year. So what do you do when uh, when you're not actively involved with uh, either training or, or on the ice? Oh, uh, yeah. I play maybe like some pickup basketball once in a while, or uh, we go bowling lots. Uh, wake surfing and stuff like that, going to the beach, uh, I don't know, maybe some spike ball, uh, golfing, just, I don't know, just regular stuff. So when you go boating, is that up in, in the Chetwind area? I know there's a lake up there, but, or do you, are you based out of somewhere else now? Uh, I live in, I live in Vancouver now. Oh, okay. Around Vancouver, lakes in Vancouver, and uh, we go up to the Okanagan Lake once in a while as well. Would you consider yourself a good golfer? Uh, I mean, I used to play a lot when I was younger, but I kind of took a couple years off, and I'm just getting back into it now. So I'm I'm pretty average, I guess you could say. Fair enough. Well, Caden, listen, I really appreciate your time. I enjoyed the conversation a lot. Uh, best of luck the rest of the way this season with the Tigers and whatever happens to the draft. Maybe we'll talk again one day. Yeah, sounds good. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. There is Caden Lindstrom from the Medicine Hat Tigers. And uh, before we started the interview, I, I told him, I, I said, Caden, you need to either drop the N or the D in your last name because for some reason my tongue cannot handle Lindstrom. I can say Lindstrom. If it was L-I-N, it would be Lindstrom. If it was L-I-D, it would be Lidstrom. But the N and the D together, for some reason, when I say it, it comes out sounding like Lint. Lindstrom. Lindstrom. So something I got to practice. We were just joking about that. But uh, looking forward to seeing him and the Medicine Hat Tigers here in Edmonton on a Sunday night, 6 p.m. start, a little bit later on Sunday than usual because the Tigers are playing 3-3 three and three and will be doing a little bit shorthanded. I know they have, uh, well, a pretty significant player, Gavin McKenna, who's away at the World U-17s right now. The Oil Kings do as well. Blake Fiddler, their uh, first overall pick in the U.S. draft, he's gone to that tournament as well. But uh, an awfully tough test for the Oil Kings uh, on Friday night. They've got Moose Jaw, and on Sunday, they've got Medicine Hat. They are the number one and the number two ranked teams right now in the Western Hockey League's uh, Eastern Conference. So tough schedule for Edmonton here to start the season, that's for sure. 
That's going to do it for this week's episode of the Pipeline Show. Thanks to all three guests that you heard. Also, thanks to everyone who has been signing up to be a patron at patreon.com slash the Pipeline Show. All the interviews that you hear, each little segment here on a full episode, they're not done on the same day, that's for sure. But patrons can hear those interviews, usually the same day that they happen. As I uh, do the interview, then I edit it, upload it to Patreon, and uh, sometimes it's available as early as like half an hour after I hang up the phone with the guest. If that's something that would interest you, why don't you check that out? Patreon.com slash The Pipeline Show. Busy weekend. I got to get to Oil Kings, the Moose Jaw Warriors in town, and I am headed there immediately after uploading this week's episode. So I got to go. Between now and next week, get out and watch some junior or college hockey so that we can talk about it right here on The Pipeline Show. It's brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky, and my name is Guy Flaming. Have a great weekend, everybody. See ya. <laughs>